0: go to war with the team that you have, not the team that you wished you had. Mm. And so a true and good leader can take a bunch of ragamuffins and a bunch of duds and turn them into something that is dynamic. You go to war with who you got, not who you wished you had. You think in your mind that you're supposed to reach everybody and then you can't and so you end up really reaching nobody. Yep. And so my design every year, I had 12 people, I had three people. And then I had that one person that I was deeply investing in. I want to be open to somebody else's good and great idea. Yes. I'm not the only person who has the spirit. Come on. Yep. You've been endowed with the spirit and you have gifts and abilities. And so having a plurality of leadership where I have a number of people with different gifts and abilities, not like mine. I, I choose people that are quite different than me. And we have this kind of heterogeneous grouping of people. What ends up happening is I want them to, to be bold. And to ch- like, that comes with a lot of trust. I spend a lot of time with my team. And then they feel the freedom to poke holes and challenge that which I'm suggesting we should do.
1: Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson, and we took the month of June off from podcasting and it feels so good to be back. We are starting off strong with a brand new series called Volun Summer. It's a series this summer about everything volunteers. We all know that Sunday morning and kids ministry cannot happen with volunteers. And so we're gonna spend the next five weeks talking about everything from recruiting, training, onboarding, encouraging, equipping and training and communicating and there's like so many things that we will cover when it comes to volunteers. Now, to kick off our volunteer Summer Series, I had to invite my friend Josh Denhart to the show. Josh and I met at the Children's Pastors Conference back in January, and it has been so fun to chat kids ministry and continue to encourage one another as we work to equip and encourage the kids ministry leaders we get to work with. That's you guys. We all know that Josh is an expert on all things volunteers, and you will hear about all the ways that he is encouraging and equipping kids ministry leaders through his lead volunteer courses, but also his chemistry show, which is so fun. So get ready to take some notes as we talk about communication, collaboration, and community. But before we jump into the conversation with Josh, I want to share with you one of my favorite resources from the Kids Ministry Circle. It's called our Event Debrief Guide. Debriefing an event is probably the most crucial piece of all your event planning. Because if you walk out of an event, leave the week behind or the weekend behind, and you forget all the things that are worth celebrating and all the things that are worth tweaking, it's like you're going to repeat that same Problems and those same issues the following year. So, we want to help you collect stories, celebrate wins, get crucial feedback from your teams, and plan for the next year. So, you can head over to slash resources to download our free event debrief guide today. Now, on to my conversation with Josh. Josh, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, thank you so much. This is fun. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Yes, I'm so excited that you are kicking off our volunteer summer podcast series, and when I was kind of thinking about this series and dreaming about this series, you were definitely at the top of the list as a volunteer expert that I wanted to bring on to the podcast and have this conversation with, so I'm so glad you made time in your crazy travel schedule and all those fun things. So why don't you start off the episode by telling us a little bit about yourself, tell us about your family, tell us about how you got started in this ministry world, and then we can kind of jump off from there.
0: Okay, so my name is Josh Denhart. I am married to my dear wife, Sarah. We've been married for, gosh, coming up on 23 years. We have four kids, uh, 19, 18, 16, and 13. So that's we kind of spell that B-U-S-Y, right? Very busy it's good we love them they're great kids they all um have come to faith in christ and it's just it's exciting Mm -hmm. to see them grow yeah Um, i was a former high school chemistry teacher who loved god volunteered in just about every capacity at our local church um played electric guitar on the worship band led the high school youth group for a season um taught all of the baptism classes for kids did like this huge thing called uh what's it called uh, camp survivor for fifth and sixth grade kids. So had all these different volunteer capacities. And then, you know, the leadership kind of was like, Hey, why don't you just come and take over this area? Um, and so through a, a series of conversations and a little bit of time kind of transitioned my efforts as a high school chemistry teacher to becoming a full-time children's pastor at actually quite a large church. And so that was definitely eye Um, but one thing that's neat is that, Through that, I had a lot of experience as a volunteer Mm -hmm. who had been serving under other leaders at the church, a variety of leaders. And so then when I came on as a staff person, I had a very unique perspective as it came to leading volunteers because I had been a volunteer for so long and at such a high level. Mm -hmm. And so That was extremely influential in terms of how I viewed, cared for um, volunteers. And so then as a result of that 10 year stint at that church and really building in a sense a volunteer team from um, like beyond nothing, it was in the Mm -hmm. negative, it was in the negative anybody in ministry, you know, if you've inherited something, sometimes you inherit it and it's pretty beat up. And so the process by which I brought health and life and vitality back to that area of the church, I ended up just kind of codifying that, putting it into kind of a process and a system, and it's called Lead Volunteers, which now exists under the larger ministry umbrella, leadministry.com. So that's kind of a nutshell of what I do.
1: That's awesome. I love that so much. And I know I've gotten to chat with so many leaders who really have gone through your system and watched your courses and have just grown so much as a leader. And so we'll make sure we talk more about that at the end and I'll link all the different links and different things where people can find you. Um, but I love that. I love that you were a volunteer and then you were a staff member and then you're like, okay, great. How do I then help other leaders also lead well? And I, I, I just love that. And even from my perspective, like now I served as a staff member for 15 years at a variety of different churches. And now I get to be a volunteer. And that does really bring such a unique perspective of how we serve and what really helps volunteers and so there are three kind of things that we're going to talk about on this episode and one of the questions that i got from uh kids ministry leader was how do you best communicate with volunteers right. and i know this is so, like so tricky there's so many different ways to communicate there's like social media channels and emails sure. and text messages and different apps that a lot of leaders use and and sometimes people feel really discouraged when it comes to communication. So, in our conversation today, we're gonna to hit communication mm-hmm. and we're gonna hit some other big C words like community and mm-hmm. connection. And yes. so, I'm super excited to dive in. So, okay. my first question for you is I want you to lay a foundation for us. Okay. Why volunteers? Talk to us about why volunteers are important and why should a kids ministry leader invest in volunteers?
0: Well, I have several thoughts on this. The first one is the church is never going to be able to meet all of the needs through Mm -hmm. hiring people. It's never going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Not only that, it was never intended to be that way. Um, The body is built through participation in the use of their gifts. Mm -hmm. So we're never going to be able to hire to meet all of the needs. And we as leaders, we actually grow when we begin to build other people. So of course, this classic passage that we all know about in Ephesians 4, the role of a pastor, evangelist, teacher, preacher. Uh, prophet is to build up the body to do the work of the ministry. Yep. So it isn't my job as a pastor to do the work of the ministry. It's my job to build others to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, it is a lot of work to build others. Number one, to discover what their gifts are because the majority of people don't know what their gifts are. Mm-hmm. So number one, to do an exploratory mission with somebody to go, wow, how has God created you? In addition yeah. to to kind of lead and coach them along. I'm no longer the primary player. I actually become the coach and the person who is helping modify that which they're doing. So I think it's important because the church is never going to be able to hire to meet all of the needs. It's never going to happen. However, on the flip side, a far more positive version of that is that I think that um, enlisting, to, enlisting people to grow is going to cause one of the greatest and deepest growth points in their faith' journey and in their mm-hmm. their their life as a Christian. I would say yeah. that um, you know when when I was getting ready to start uh, oh, I was actually started as a full time children 's pastor, I had like one hundred and twenty five people that I had to recruit, and it was completely overwhelming. I looked at the phone and then I looked to heaven and I was like, God, this is not realistic. I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Then God impressed upon my heart. He said, Josh, in all of the years that you were volunteering, what like what did that do for you? And Mm -hmm. I and I was like, oh, my word. I grew in the in the in the word. I understand. I understood my gifts. I, I, I got to meet a whole bunch of people at a really deep level and the list went on. And then God really ratcheted it up and impressed upon my heart, do you think that I am capable of doing all of those things that I did for you in the lives of the people that you're going to recruit and I'm going to provide for you? So that was a tear moment, right? Where I was like, oh my word, I've grown a ton through volunteering. Yeah. Therefore, it wasn't hard for me to ask somebody else to participate. So I would say, I would say that's the biggest reason is that people will grow. People yeah. are going to grow in a way that they never could comprehend apart from utilizing their gifts.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, I love that. And that's so encouraging because even for me as a volunteer, like I teach large group on Sunday morning to mm-hmm. our elementary kids. That's my volunteer role. And I definitely am using my gifts. But also when I communicate what's in God's word verbally mm-hmm. out loud to kids, that is It like clicks so much deeper in my brain than just simply reading it on my own to be able to communicate it and teach it. It helps me grow as a follower of Jesus. And so I think that is so, so true. And that's such a great way to recruit volunteers. It is share your own story of how God has impacted you through volunteering. So I love that so much.
0: And, you know, and I would say to people in not in a not in a. But like a real honest way, I would ask people, are are you hungry to grow as Mm -hmm. a believer? I know you are. And this is one of the primary ways that you can grow as a believer. Um, You know, when you said that when you're teaching, you're growing, it's the truth, right? And educationally, when you have to synthesize that material, take it from your head and push it out of your mouth, you're the greatest learner at that point. And so Mm -hmm. serving is a beautiful is a beautiful way. I know it it sounds counterintuitive, but it's a beautiful, selfish thing in a sense, because you gain so much. So couldn't agree more.
1: Yep, that's awesome. Okay, now we get to get into some more of the specific conversations. So when it comes to communicating, like Mm -hmm. I said earlier, there's so many different things to do and you just feel like. There's no way to win. There's no way to reach everyone through one avenue. And sometimes you feel like nobody's opening your emails. Nobody's responding to text messages. And so I would love for you to share with us what are some of the best practices that you have found when it comes to communicating with your volunteers?
0: Okay. what I'm going to share, I'm going to share two big buckets. One is kind of a no brainer and the other is very counterintuitive. So the first one, let's do it. Yes. So the first one is I like to view my time as a staff person in two very big buckets, the church gathered and the Mm -hmm. church dispersed. Mm -hmm. And so basically two, maybe three times a week, the church body is going to be gathered. That's a Sunday. That's a Wednesday, maybe a Sunday night, if you do that at your church, but that's when the body is gathered. And so I want to spend all of my whatever, 35 other hours a week doing all of the minutiae and all of the busy work so that I can be as present as possible on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And I would make my way to so many people and I would have not butterfly little... flitty conversations, but true real deal conversations. And I I was never found in my office. I was never found locked up someplace. I would be in conversation with as many people as possible. That was just my kind of personality and my Mm go-to. So be present when the church is gathered. Sounds, Mm. sounds basic. Sounds like a no dust. Sounds like a no brainer. Um, the other thing is that, is that I would call people. I'm way more of a call people on the phone and a direct thing, I had an an ongoing list of people who were key people in our ministry and even sub key and sub sub key. But I would call them on the phone on the regular Um, wherever I was driving to lunch. That was an opportunity to make one or two phone calls. When I was driving home, I could make probably one, maybe two phone calls. Even a voicemail was a win. Um, And I would call with no ask or agenda. That's a key piece is just I want to hear about you. Uh, I want to undo the idea that when they see the church number come up on the caller ID or my cell phone come up on the caller ID, that they're expecting me to ask them for something. So that sounds like, but I was very, very, very intentional about calling people. Um, There's a lot of people that have this. I have it as part of the the lead productively course, but it's um, call one person this week text two people this week and email three people this week, something along those mm. lines, right? Yeah. And so just being intentional about that. So that is the first piece. And I wanna give you some space to speak about that. And, and then I wanna tell you about my unconventional, not probably um, in- intuitive thing, so.
1: Yeah, that's great. I love the ga- the community gather the church gathered piece of mm-hmm. be really present. And I would love to know specifically What questions were you asking Mm. when you were standing with people in the hallway, when you were maybe checking in on volunteers who were in a classroom? What were you asking them?
0: Yes. So I would ask specifically, I would say, hey, what is what is new in your life right now? Mm. And they go, oh, wow, what's new? And then they would share something. Or I would say, hey, what is God doing in your world right now? Yeah. And, And and the other thing too, Lauren that I would do, I actually had an adequate enough memory, not mm. to ask that same question, but to have a follow-up question from two weeks before. Yep. When I say, oh my word, how's that dog doing? You got a new dog still whimpering, <laughs> still freaking out, still peeing all over the place. What's <laughs> going on with the dog? <laughs> yep. And so then they, it's a sense that I know them. People yeah. want to be known and they want 100%. to be shepherded. They want to be, have a shepherd over them. So what's going on in your world right now? What's new in your world right now? Uh, mm-hmm. what's the, What's the hardest thing that you're experiencing right now? So I I never wanted to to be super surface. I wanted to somehow find a way to have true and real deal conversations. And I was very willing, by the way, to drop out of a moment and spend more significant time with someone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really those are really great questions that I think leaders listening can like write those down and put them in their back pocket. But I do feel like this process or this kind of act on Sunday morning is a muscle that needs to be practiced and needs to be learned because me as a kids director I was not them I'm not the most extroverted that's mm-hmm. not necessarily my go-to of like buzzing around the building asking all mm-hmm. these questions and so I trained my body and my brain to be like it. walking in on Sunday morning you are going to introduce yourself to somebody that you do not know
0: Love this. And it is a like, learned behavior. Yes, it's a learned exactly.
1: behavior. And you have to practice because I feel like those first couple Sundays or those first couple months of doing this, it's going to be so awkward. Yes. Like you're just you're so uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. And just this mentality of like there may be a bajillion other things that you could be doing or a bajillion other fires that you could be putting out. But looking at the person in front of you and asking in those intentional questions. Exactly right. That's right. And... Not showing on your face the panic that you have of like all the other things that are going on is such a muscle that you have to work at. And so I love those questions of like, hey, stick those in your back pocket, pull these out and the memory piece. Man, that was, that is also a huge thing that Mm -hmm. comes with time. It does. And like one, I, one of my greatest accomplishments and this sounds so silly, but it was so important to me was like, I did an entire baby dedication service with like 12 families on stage. And I knew every single name, every parent's name, every baby's name. And like, to me, that shows. That's a huge win. It totally is. And I think that goes along with your volunteers and saying, can you, like, do you remember names? Do you remember what's going on in their life. And like, I know kids ministry leaders who jot down notes. Like how about they have a roster on their computer? For
0: sure. And or they my, my notes. notes app, I, I have Evernote, yes. and I just am like, duh, 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 duh. there's nothing wrong yep. with that. There's everything good about yeah. that. Now I got to yeah. tell you hats off to you. Tip my hat. <laughs> I, I have a terrible time with names. I can remember random factoids about people. I can remember what they told me a month ago. All mm-hmm. of that is like simple recall, but somebody's first name, uh know, that's it can so be
1: hard. Bad. Good so, thing your volunteers are wearing name tags, you know,
0: <laughs> that's, it, it's actually the truth. You're exactly right. Um, I think you're right. And I think that, that it's just, it's absolutely critical. Now I have to give a shout out. I have like, I, this is not an exaggeration, like 500 mm-hmm. different conversation, like questions inside oh, of awesome. lead volunteers for the person who is kind of like, Hey, I am not really this person.
1: Yeah. And
0: so. There's different categories, but literally a a list because I know that people, this is not the easiest thing for people.
1: Totally. All right. Why don't you tell us your unconventional way of communication?
0: So the unconventional thing is that I had to conclude early on that I was never going to be able to reach everyone. Mm -hmm. And I came to conclude also Jesus didn't either. He had the masses. He had the core who traveled with him, probably 150 people. That was kind of this circuit. Then there was the 12, and then the mm-hmm. three, and then the one. And yeah. so, you know, he treated, he, he had far more interactions with Peter, James, and John than he did the masses. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And yep. so, my unconventional way actually is a biblical, quite conventional way that. <laughs> I had specified a number of people that I was going to give a significant portion of my life and a significant portion of my communication. And I wasn't going to feel guilty that I wasn't communicating and relating to everybody at the same level. Yeah. When you think here's, here's usually the problem and I'll end with this. You think in your mind that you're supposed to reach everybody and then you can't. And so you end up really reaching nobody. Yep. And so my design every year, I had 12 people, I had three people, and then I had that one person that I was deeply investing in. So that's yeah. what I would say as well.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And then a ho- the hope is that those 12 are maybe influencing and impacting the masses well, and it and continues I'll, down.
0: I can tell you this. It wasn't a hope in my case. It was actually a requirement. And if you were, yes, if you were a part of my 12, my three or my one, it was, you were required to have three people of your own. And I I was asking them, you know, What things are you noticing that I'm doing in you and for you that you could be passing on and doing the same thing? So and they were very uncomfortable. I got to be honest with you. Um, I had a couple people who were super introverts. They loved my time. They Mm -hmm. loved when I was spending time with them. And then I turned the page on them and I said, "Okay, now it's time for you to have people that you're pouring into. And I remember their body tensing up and they were like, well, I don't really want to do that. And I said, well, the kingdom doesn't have any room for you not to do that.
1: Oh, gosh, that's so good. Yeah, that's so true. And I and I love that sometimes people are afraid to ask those questions and to make those calls. And they're like, oh, well, I don't want them to all of a sudden, like stop serving in kids ministry because we're asking them to do something that's maybe a little bit hard or a little bit out of their comfort zone. But I think engaging in those hard questions and pushing into deeper discipleship. Yes. It matters. And so I love that in your role, you just weren't afraid. You weren't afraid Mm-mm. to push the boundaries and engage in the hard conversa- conversations and ask more of your team oh, yes. to ultimately make a greater kingdom impact.
0: So- and, and Lauren, the other thing too, and I've got goosebumps on this. I could get emotional, but I'm not going to. I would let them know this is for your betterment. You're going to have a greater yeah. kingdom experience. That There's more to be had. Yeah. go deeper. Trust yeah. me. Do you, do you trust me? And I would, they would say yes. And I would say, great, we got to do this. So mm-hmm. trust me on this step out. And I, you know, in the fruit was being bore. So that that's testimony.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think this is a really great uh, connection to this next C that we're going to talk about, which is collaboration. Mm-hmm. And clearly you were collaborating with your three and your 12 mm-hmm. to make a greater impact with greater volunteers. But I would love for us to talk a little bit about, What's the balance of inviting volunteers to speak into your ministry and giving them more ownership Mm. and giving them space to lead (laughs) more? But then also there's that there's that side. But then there's also the side of like just being the leader and owning your leadership. That's right. Calling and your gifting and where God has placed you to just make decisions and move on. I love this. I know it's such a great question. So talk to us about this balance of collaboration and how you can walk that line yeah. gracefully um, and intentionally.
0: Okay. I, I have to start by saying people will stay where they have say, Ooh. people nice. will stay where they have say, if they feel that they have a voice in shaping the future in the current of this ministry, that's And they can put their influence and their fingerprint and their stamp on that. They're far more likely to stay. And so I want people to have buy-in that rubs up against me being a control freak, just like you are. Am I right? And just like every listener out there. Now, I don't I I say that tongue in cheek and I don't (laughs) I don't think that I'm a control freak. But what I do know is that I am the person who has been christened with the authority to be the person in charge of this thing. I am the one, Lauren, who is waking up at 3 a.m. thinking about the ministry to where Mm -hmm. that individual is waking up at 3 in the morning thinking about their banking job.
1: Totally. Yes.
0: Right. And so. I know that people need say in order to feel like they want to stay. Now, here's a, here's a, 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 an interesting phrase. Uh, it says, diplomacy is the art of letting somebody else have your way. I'm going to say it again. Mm. Diplomacy is the art of letting somebody else have your way. Now, stick with me. What that means is I am... I know where we want to go. I have been seeking the Lord about the direction. I have been pouring hours upon hours upon hours. I believe I know where God wants us to go. It is now my job to lovingly influence those people around me to conclude that that actually is the direction that we should go. So now watch carefully. And when I said diplomacy is the art of letting somebody else have your way, somebody one time said, that sounds like manipulation. I understand. And if you have a yucky heart, it probably Mm -hmm. is manipulation. But if you have a good and surrendered heart, that is called good, solid Christian leadership. So I know where I want to go and I can ask questions and I can have influence and people can see where we do need to go. And they're going to provide color and life and texture to that direction that we're going that I myself never could have put on there myself because my totally. personality is lacking. I need mm-hmm. others in the body. But I want to I want to know where we're going and help influence people to see and have that be in a sense their conclusion as well.
1: Yeah. And I think I think it's important to remember also that if you are seeking the Lord, but is your also your team is seeking the Lord, mm-hmm. God will continue to guide all of you in the right in the direction that you should go. And so I agree. I think I think there's an important piece of Okay, this is where I feel like God is leading us. Okay, team, would you pray and, and like seek God's wisdom and will for our ministry? And you see that a lot in leadership capacities, but also volunteer roles of God kind of revealing the same things over and over again.
0: For sure. And another bringing, thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, b- bringing, bringing harmony. Like all of a sudden, yeah. he, it's it's like we're all feeling the same thing. That's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. The other piece that I want to mention is that I want to be open to somebody else's good and great idea. I'm not the only person who has the spirit. Come on. You've been endowed with the spirit and you have gifts and abilities. And so having a plurality of leadership where I have a number of people with different gifts and abilities, not like mine. I, I choose people that are quite different than me, and we have this 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 kind of heterogeneous grouping of people. What ends up happening is I want them to to be bold and to ch- like that comes with a lot of trust. I spend a lot totally. of time with my team, and then they feel the freedom to poke holes and challenge mm-hmm. that which I'm suggesting we should do. So yeah. I don't lead from a a, a quote you know pearly gates up on high kind of ivory towers deal where it's like hey i came down from the mountain here's where we're going question it not the yeah. furthest thing from the truth so i want people to push back and we'll create something together mm-hmm. um but i'm not i'm certainly not going to i what i'm not going to do also is dismantle where i think we're going as a church yeah. because one random person has a suggestion not totally. happening
1: Yep. That's such a good reminder. And I love going back to kind of what you said before of, I think it's so important before you go to your team and offer a sense of collaboration and offer a sense of, hey, now's the time to brainstorm and think about things. I think that first step is Okay, talk to your senior leadership, talk to your boss, spend Mm -hmm. time with God and really make the decision of like, where do we want this ministry to go over the next six months to a year and have that vision in mind
0: before
1: you sit before your volunteers and take opinions. Because then you can throw the vision up on the wall and say, hey, this is the end goal. Yes. How now,
0: how do we get there together? Couldn't agree more.
1: And it's like, okay. Making checking with the volunteers of saying, "Okay, this is the main goal is what you're recommending going to get us to the main goal. If not, let's put it in your back pocket and save it for the next vision and the next goal, because it may work next year. This is brilliant.
0: I love what you just said. Um, One final thing that I would remark on is that I count. Excuse me. I don't count opinions. I weigh them. Mm -hmm. I don't count opinions. I weigh them. So there are certain people who have a far greater weighted value when it comes to their opinion. And there's other people where I'm like, hey, I love you. You're not serving in our area at all. You have no skin in this game. You just kind of have a a random and bold idea and you're a bold personality. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to like, I count your opinion. No, I don't count that opinion. I weigh opinions. There you go. Yeah.
1: That's good. But obviously, I'm assuming that you say it in a very kind and gracious way of, like, thanks for your opinion. I'll take that into consideration.
0: (laughs) Oh, and if I could say one thing, this is a little bit off the topic, but what do you do if somebody comes to you with a completely out of left field idea? Right. And, they, and they're trying to, in a sense, they're like, hey, give me the keys to the car. Let me drive. What do mm-hmm. you do with that? And so one of my standard stock answers is, wow, what you've, what you've brought up is very interesting. What I haven't said is, that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard, right. <laughs> even though it might be. I say that's interesting. I'm not saying, wow, great idea. I'm not saying that. It's very neutral. What, what, you, what you've brought up is very interesting. You've given me a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. Let me bring this back to the team. And I'll circle back with you. So I've just bought myself some time to get out of that sticky conversation.
1: Yeah, that's so good. And I will drop uh, we you and I had an interesting conversation on your podcast about being young in leadership and kind Uh, of engaging in this conversation. So we'll because it's it's different from a very seasoned kids ministry oh, leader that has a lot of buy-in in the ministry, maybe has been there for a long time. And then compared that to someone who's brand new in ministry. So we'll link that in the show notes. Cause I think
0: that this was a topic, great, that was a yes, great conversation.
1: It ties really well in with being young and new in leadership and kind of navigating this, maybe uh, experiencing some people who have been around the church for a long time and have some really strong opinions. Oh, so I'll link that one in the show notes. Um, okay, so the last C that we're going to talk about is community. And I yes. feel like this community word is one that gets thrown around a lot, but there's a desire in a lot of kids' ministry leaders to build a community that people want to be a part of. Sure. And so. We're going to kind of talk about a more broad sense of community, but also I have a specific question for you. And so we'll start with the broad question is what are ways that you encourage leaders? So talking to the kids ministry leader, kids ministry staff Mm -hmm. to foster community amongst their teams.
0: Okay, Um, I have a lot of things to say about this. I'm going to choose selectively. One, I had an expense account. And it wasn't very much. What that means Mm -hmm. is, is that I had enough money in my budget and it was earmarked to go take people out to lunch or people out to coffee. And I there, I always went over in that area on purpose because I wanted to give a signal to the senior leaders. I take this particular budget line item super seriously. And so every single week I had multiple lunches with multiple people. I always want to do face to face. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing, um, do you know the book Strength Finders? Yes. Okay. So I had all of our inside team, our really close knit 12 and our three and all those. We all did the, did the, the, the test. We found out uh-huh. what our strengths were, but most people stopped there. What we did is we took one day and we focused on Amy and everybody came having read Amy's top five Ooh. strengths. We then went around the table. We read her top strength out loud and then we all remarked and said hey i took notes on this i see this i don't see that and then we read strength two and so we did it was almost like she was the kindergarten star of the day yeah it was all about amy and then true story we did that with everybody on our team and at the end of that multi-week eight-week exercise or something we truly all surrendered our jobs and said let's not let's not base who we are what we're doing because of a job description, let's base mm-hmm. this on what you're really good at. Yeah. And so we really intimately got to know one another through that process. Yeah. One final thing that we would do, and this was more on a bigger picture level, not mm-hmm. on the really tight team level, mm-hmm. is that we would have every quarter, we had a Friday night and a Saturday night where we would, usually we would you know, do something simple like grilled chicken or we would like yeah. in the winter, we would do um, three different soups. Mm-hmm. Friday night and Saturday night, and we would we would invite all of our Sunday school leaders mm-hmm. to somebody's home, and we would have this kind of deeper, uh, deeper thing. In the summers, we play barefoot kickball. In the winter, we would do something different. But our kids were all coming—leaders, yeah. families, kids. So that was. And some people were like, "My goodness, Friday and Saturday night—that's kind of crazy." Well. When I left the church to go do what I'm doing right now, my then 12 year old daughter cried ugly tears. And she said, this means that we're not going to be able to do uh, uh, kid's ministry dinners at Amy's house anymore. Oh, so it no. was that special. It was that, it wasn't yeah. like, hey, come on now, get, you know, put your smile on. This is dad's job. It was actually special and intimate. Yeah. So those are yeah. some of the ways. And I've got a lot more, but that for time's sake, I think those are good ones to share.
1: That's awesome. I love the, anytime you can gather people around food, Mm -hmm. I think that builds community really easily. And it's important to remind people that building community doesn't necessarily take a lot of money. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be flashy. You don't need to put on these like big flashy events. It can be simply inviting some of your team over and saying, Hey, can you bring this? Can you bring this? Can you bring this? We're going to share a meal. And I think inviting the whole family is really what makes it feel like the entire family is a part of the ministry and it's a, it allows volunteers to serve missionally together. And I think that's really what helps.
0: And we did it on a Friday and a Saturday. We did it on a Friday and a Saturday because people, some people could do a Friday. Some people couldn't do a Friday. And we were like, we are all in on this and it, and we did it for years and it worked.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Okay. So now to do my little specific question around Mm -hmm. community. And so this one kind of stems from this idea that sometimes there are volunteers in your ministry who are like, I don't need any new friends. I have my community. I have my Mm -hmm. small group and they don't want to participate in the community that you're offering. Or maybe you feel like it's really hard to build, build community. And so what should leaders do when their volunteers are not interested in joining the community that they're trying to build?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that that's a good case of the normals. That's first. Mm. I would say that there are people who truly do have their people already and they're not looking to have this, this subset of a community. They're like, I have my community and I was okay with that. Now, what I did seek to do was that I was extremely intentional on a Sunday morning to develop what I call the two-minute leadership talk or the two-minute um, you know, d- d- deep dive with them because I didn't have some of those experiences with them in the other community circles that mm-hmm. I was building. So I was yep. crazy intentional with them. The other piece is we just sought to, to overwhelmingly meet their needs mm-hmm. in all kinds of ways, pastorally, socially, um, spiritually, friendship-wise. And, and out of the overflow of that, I think that they saw our heart yeah. and maybe just, maybe they would want to be deeper. Here's what I would say, Lauren, to people who I was recruiting, I would say, Hey, listen, it's really not that good of a trade, but if you come serve with us, you get me yeah, and you get my friendship and you get me in your corner. And I really do mean that. So it's not a fair trade. I get it, but you get me. And so I would say if they don't want to be a part of it, that's okay.
1: Yeah. And that's a good reminder and encouragement to say, hey, maybe your volunteers don't necessarily want community with the greater team, but they do want community with you. And those are two different things. Big
0: time. Big time. And
1: so, as a leader and as a staff member, you have to say, okay, just because they don't want to participate in the events or come to the Bible studies or whatever you're putting on for your teams, that does not mean that you are not intentional with building a relationship. with them. one on Such
0: a good word. Such a good word. Um, couldn't agree more. And awesome. I, I will give one caveat though. If you were Go going to be it. a part of my 12, if you were going to be a part of my three, if you were going to be that one, um, you were signing up for community. Yeah. You were signing up to be a part of this intimate team. Yep. And I would also be thoughtful and vet people to be like, do I think that they're going to be and their personality is gonna be an an addition to this crock pot of other humans? Or is Mm -hmm. it gonna be, so that was part of my selection process and my invitation process.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. This was so good. Okay, before we finish up, the last question we always ask is, if you were talking to someone brand new in kids ministry, what would be your words of encouragement or advice?
0: I would say one word, team. Build a team immediately. Um, And I know there's been literally hundreds of people that I have spoken to at conferences who've come up to me afterwards or maybe it's on a coaching thing. And they're like, hey, really, I really don't have anybody that's adequate to be on my team. And my Mm -hmm. answer to them is you go to war with the team that you have, not the team that you wished you had. Mm. And so a true and good leader can take a bunch of. Ragamuffins and a bunch of duds, and turn them into something that is dynamic. You yeah. go to war with who you got, not who you wished you had. So mm-hmm. somehow, some way, build a team of people. I just saw on a social media Facebook group where some gal was very sad that she was a single mom, and that she—no, she, no, she was a single mom, but she's a stay-at-home mom and was beat up. And my first answer to her was, "You need to find another stay-at-home mom like you." To run this, don't do it alone. Yeah. Find some people. So that'd be my yeah. answer. Hey, this has I been fun.
1: It. Yes, this has been so fun. And I feel like it's going to be so helpful for our listeners uh, listening in and learning and growing. And I, I feel like we gave them some really practical things that they could implement sure. this Sunday right away as they kind of dive into this world of leading a volunteer team. But I would love to kind of finish off the episode allowing you to share, where can people find you? If people are like, I want more of Josh's knowledge in my brain, sure. where can they go to find it?
0: Okay. Well, um, they can go to leadministry.com ministry.com is a great initial space. Leadministry.com is kind of the full Monty of all of the things that I do. Um, I have, I think nine or nine courses. I have another one just getting ready to release called lead events. So mm-hmm. that's great. All about that. The lead ministry, um, ecosystem. Also, I do have a podcast that you have been on called the Lead yep. Volunteers Podcast. People can check that out. It's a wonderful free resource. Also, I do have another thing called the Amazing Chemistry Show, where I travel the country and do big gospel-centered science stage show. So fire, explosions, foam, all set to music.
1: That's awesome. We love that so much. And we'll link everything in the show notes to where people can find your podcast, your website, I'll link all your social media platforms so they could follow you there. And everyone should be set to continue to learn with all the resources that you are creating. So thanks well, so much, God Josh, for being you. on the podcast.
0: Thank you. This was super fun.
1: Great. Friends, that was such an incredible conversation. I thought there were so many nuggets of wisdom in there. Josh just gave us so much encouragement and tips and tricks on how to communicate better, how to collaborate well, and how to build a community of volunteers. I loved the stories that he told about how he really gave himself and invested in the, th- the few that he had, those three, and then that that second largest group, the 12, and how those meals that happened with his volunteers, those sounded so good. Fun. I hope you guys felt encouraged and more equipped to lead your teams of volunteers through my conversation with Josh. And you guys, this is just the beginning of our Volun Summer series. We are going to have so much fun over these next five weeks. If you want to learn more about Josh, his ministry that he does alongside his wife and alongside um, all the kids ministry leaders who are learning more about equipping and training their volunteers, Everything is linked in the show notes. So you can head over to the show notes to find where Josh is and hear more wisdom from him. If you want to keep the conversation going, we would love for you to head over to our Instagram and Facebook pages at Kids Ministry Circle and tell us maybe what you learned, maybe what you're going to implement with your volunteers. And let's keep learning together as we lead our teams on Sunday morning and throughout the week.